where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. I'm James. And I am John. Today we're talking about the 11th episode of season 4, Don Juan is Hell. This episode aired on the 12th of December, 1985. This episode is, of course, directed by James Burroughs, Jimmy B, and it is written by... Fief Sutton. Yeah, you're better with the pronunciations than me, James. And I tell you what, Fief Sutton knocked it out in the park. We're halfway through season four now. Would you say we're the best so far, at least? This is one of my favourites of season four, definitely. And I'm sure we'll find that as we continue through. Who would you say the big players are in this episode, just to set the scene? I'd say the big players are in this episode Sam, Diane, Carla, Woody... Cliff. Basically, Norm's the only one without much of a plot, but we have had big plots with Norm in the likes of Love Thy Neighbour. He's had his time in the sun. Sit down, Norm. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a this is a good episode, and I think the way to start it is with the cold open. Do you know what? This cold open, it reminds me very much of towards the end of our podcast, James. A lot of trivia going about. All the trivia that they asked in this episode... I won't ask you later on, but you might have a little taster of some of them. That's good, because I won't be able to answer any of them right, James. There's too many trivia questions flying around in this episode. Too many to try and remember. The sort of contenders are Carla, as a, I guess, a trivia champion. She's sort of memorised a whole book. And up-and-coming rival, Mr. Woody Boy. It starts with them asking lots of questions to Carla, and then Woody sort of steps up to the plate, enters the ring, and he asks the library card catalogue number. Do you know what I will say? Surprisingly smart for Woody to ask something like that. A lot of people think Woody's not very intelligent. I think he may not have much common sense, but I think he is very creative, is very cunning, and I think, much to coach, he does have a unsung wisdom. And I think it's time to talk about what I think is the difference between intelligence and, and knowledge, which is perhaps a bit deeply <laughs> philosophical for so early in the podcast, but it grates me when people go, oh, they're so intelligent, they know a lot. And I, that's not true. Knowledge is knowing a lot of things. Intelligence is applying what you know. They got very deep, James. It's true. And I think that's what it is. People think Woody's not very intelligent because he doesn't know a lot of references or know what people are talking about. But that's not necessarily what intelligence is. As we continue this episode, we come into the main plot. And we will come back to Woody later on uh, and his, his trivia. But the main plot is, uh, I think last week we said was, you coined the phrase, James. The erratic misadventures of Sam Malone. Tune in this week, we're <laughs> part of a case study. <laughs> this week, he's part of a case study that Diane's putting together for her psychology paper. Yes, a study in human sexuality. Which she's struggling with because she's, she doesn't know what to write about. I have to come up with a topic for my psychology paper by tonight. I'm at a complete loss. Of course, I could turn out your run-of-the-mill essay on sadomasochism, bestiality, bondage and discipline. But I'm looking for something with a little pizzazz. Sam's more than happy to be the case study. He takes pride in it, actually. You're writing about sex? Let me be subject or something. Something equally or more sleazy. I think I think he says something like, she studied for a whole year at Sammy State. So you can take the sleaziness from that, James. But, I mean, as you can probably guess, Sam is a excellent case study because he is pretty awful. Well, he exhibits typical Don Juan traits. I mean, talked briefly about Don Juan in the past, where Vera has said in Love Thy Neighbor that Norm was more Don of the Dead than Don Juan. But basically, Don Juan is Don Giovanni, this historical figure who sought women as essentially sexual conquests to make up for their 
own insecurities and fear of dying alone. But because of their inability to evolve beyond that state, they are destined to be alone, essentially. It's a shame that Frasier's not in this episode, because he could explain it a lot better than I could. <laughs> As you can probably tell, Sam is a pretty good example of this, especially in the sort of eyes of the Indohan references. It's not her thoughts, it's the academic opinion. It builds quite a bit of the theme of this. And when she writes the paper, the professor is kind of outstanded by how good a case study of Don Juan this is. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. The title of this episode, of course, comes from Don Juan in Hell, which is a play within a play from the drama Man and Superman by George Bernard Shaw, written in 1903, which Man and Superman, that sounds like a DC film. It is not. And if it was, it would be, I think, the most boring one. What's the trouble now, Superman? Just this guy. <laughs> But as the episode goes on, uh, this elaborate case study gets more and more out of hand, I guess. And it's become something which happens in a lot of episodes. A book gets written. Sam pretends he's read it, hasn't read it, reads a bit, finds out that all the people in his bar know more about him than he knows about himself. So this uh, this actually has happened maybe three three times. But this time it's the best. Well, maybe. But whichever time people like more, that's the best. We'll agree with them. But Diane seems to be doing well. The twist is that she has to find, and I think it's a good point that the professor makes, where she has to find the effect of someone who has had the Don Juanism bestowed upon them. So not just the cause, which is Sam, though I'd argue the cause of it is what causes Don Juanism in the first place. And we've seen excerpts of this. We've seen the root of it when Sam has talked about his childhood and his desire to perhaps live up to his father's expectations of him because, you know, Derek is Superman, whereas Sam is just man. <laughs> so that could be the cause of it. But the professor makes a good point where he wants to see, well, what about the women who Sam has been with? What about one of the women who've agreed to be with this obviously shallow, obviously fraudulent creature that is Sam Malone? Obviously, Diane is one of them and becomes a case study herself. <laughs> she she writes herself into the case study and um, because there's opportunities for it to be published but it needs to be more well-rounded and include the effect as well as the cause and once she's written this it's obviously all all, all um what's the word they all have pseudonyms pseudonymous to protect them that means that the professor doesn't know it's diane he doesn't know it's sam because sam's kind of volunteered that information up and he's asked the class to come in view him in action thinking he's like a, a counselor of relationships yeah, Sam thinks they're coming in and he goes, let me tell you about some of the erotic misadventures I've had. <laughs> and it, it sounds like something Matt Berry would say from the IT crowd. <laughs> and he goes, now you listen up, class. I'll tell you about some of my journeys. <laughs> Those who don't know who Matt Berry is are just going, what the hell was that voice? <laughs> I think a Matt Berry impression is one of my better ones. It's better than Al. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. And your mole man. Al, mole man. <laughs> they're the same person. So Sam sort of tries to counsel this group of psychology academic or students. That goes that goes badly. Welcome everybody. Uh, now I realize you came here to meet me and find out what makes a guy like me tick. So I uh, I ask myself, what makes you so different from everybody else when it comes to scoring big with women? And I, I think it's I think it's this. I love ladies. I love the way they smell, the way they sound the way they feel and by the way that shade of lipstick really complements that rosy glow in your cheeks 
goes out into his office and, and reads a segment of the book, I think, and he realizes that, not a nice paper. Trevor is the image of the arrested adolescent, entirely self-oriented, still intimidated by the women around him and attempting to prove himself superior to them. Through sexual conquest, he can, for a time, quell his constant fears of inferiority and failure. Indeed, the idea of a non-sexual relationship is completely foreign to him. As the years pass and his physical attractiveness diminishes, he'll be doomed to a life of loneliness and despair, unable to give or receive love. No, it basically just goes, Sam seems to hate women, but not as much as he hates himself. And <laughs> he's destined to die alone because he's pathetic. And Sam's just like, hey, on this paper is mean. Amongst all of this, uh, there's also a plot about the misadventures of Cliff's vegetable garden. And he's now got a, a something that looks like Hawaii. Yes, a squash, I believe. There's a perfect map of Hawaii on a squash, or so he thinks. And I don't know who's more psychologically misguided in this episode, Sam or Cliff. It's tough. He's a case study in his own right. He deserves an episode just on insanity. He tries to show people in the bar it, and they're not having it. He goes, fine, I'll take my business elsewhere and turns to the table behind everyone and talks to someone else. Do you want to see my vegetable? <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> a reporter also comes in to interview Cliff, not because he's interested in the vegetable, because he's writing a piece on the insanity or insane people in the Boston area. Yeah. <laughs> Which that, that's just a, a quick overview of the other hijinks going on in the bar. We also have the continuation of the sort of trivia games going on at the beginning. And Woody's, uh, we mentioned briefly at the beginning, Woody's stepping up to the plate. He's going for a, a, a round of trivia. He's going for a round in the ring against Carla. It's a <laughs> trivia battle. Who's going to win? But this is the second time we've seen sort of competition and competitive nature break Woody. The what I do like is that Carla and Coach had a trivia battle and they were asking each other trivia questions off book, by the way. They already knew all the answers and... This is how I think, although Coach as a character was older and sadly the actor was losing his mental faculties a bit towards the end of his life, I think he was, as a character, more mentally sturdy because he could go the distance, you know, in trivia against Carla. He was like Rocky. He could go all the rounds, you know. And at the end, he just threw the bar towel over his shoulders and just went, we'll call it a tie, you know. Whereas Woody had a bit of a breakdown and was carted off like he was a patient in Cuckoo's Nest. They wheeled him off as he just started chatting gibberish. He got stuck in a trivia loop. Is someone going to coin now a trivia loop where you uh, go on a ramble of trivia with loose connections leading to the next trivia fact? Or as fans of this podcast might call it, The James. <laughs> I thought it was interesting how he cut it off. I don't know whether they did it on purpose, but they could well have done. Where the method in which he was dragged off was like those who do get dragged off in mental institutions, uh, much like in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which aired as a movie 10 years before this episode, which starred two people who have quite large connections to Cheers. Do you know which two these are? No. There's Christopher Lloyd was... Season two. Season two, episode 21 and 22. Finale. Uh, I'll Be Seeing You, part one and part two. You played Philip Semenko, and he was one of the main characters in Cuckoo's Nest, but also someone else. And I'll give you a clue. He had a small part in Cuckoo's Nest compared to others. John Ratzenberger walked past the screen in a space 
costume. No, it's uh, <laughs> it's Danny DeVito. Oh, okay. And he's obviously Mayor Perman's husband. He was also in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, where he played Martini, which is a drink. It's interesting that two people with quite strong connections to Cheers were in this psychological thing. And as I said before, it's odd that in an episode which had varying psychological connections, although admittedly to varying degrees, obviously Sam's storyline being the heaviest and I'd say Woody's being the less, but you know, still has some influence in psychology, that Frasier was not in this, but I imagine he's gone off the deep end a bit. He's in the cuckoo's nest. The only thing I know about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is someone throws a water cooler through a window, but maybe maybe Frasier's done that. Maybe Frasier threw a water cooler through a window and just goes, I'm, I'm not crazy. <laughs> but that, you know, the trying to prove yourself not being crazy is how this episode ends. And it ends with Sam and Diane having a conversation trying to prove that he has not done one. How do they prove this? They prove this by Sam going, no, I can have a woman in my life who there's not a sexual connection to. And I was going to say, well, maybe Carla's that. But, you know, there's been times where there's perhaps an underlying sexual thing with them. Not as overtly as Sam and Diane, but we've seen the way that Sam and Carla, well, how Carla looks at Sam and how Sam looks away because he's like, no, I mustn't look, Carla. My poor heart can't take it. (laughs) But yeah, so Sam decides best way to do it is goes, Diane sit on my lap. And I'm going, Sam, if you're trying not to be sleazy, C for effort there, Sam. Yeah, and his idea is to just have a normal conversation. They talk about the weather, they talk about music, they talk about religion, but every time ends up sleazy, James. It just gets more and more sexual and religion goes to sex the quickest. Perhaps that's because religion is the sexiest of all those three. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, in the end, Diane sort of runs out of the room because she's realised that there's still a Sam and Diane relationship. They can't deny it, James. That's true. But there is a interesting bit where she tries to run out of the room and uh, she goes to grab the handle and this quote is said. You're a knob? Yes, I believe so. <laughs> uh, that was actually improvised because the handle fell apart by accident. Oh, I didn't know that. And uh, that, that's how the episode ends. Uh, Diane says that her paper is completely invalid and uh, she's not going to publish it. That's the end of the episode. Yeah, and as we bring it to the end of the episode, before the inevitable trivia arrives, let's look at all the players in this episode. We said we didn't have Frasier, but who do we have? Well, we've got Kenneth Tagar as Dr. Lowell Greenspan. He previously appeared as Fred in season one, episode 16, The Boys in the Bar. So if you want to hear about other roles he's been in, then listen to that episode. He's also in Avengers as German Old Man, highest ranked one on IMDb. Tell you what, watching the Avengers, uh, I loved the old German man. He was definitely, he's my favourite Avenger. We also have Tim Cunningham, of course. Tim Cunningham as Tim and uh, Stephen Miner as Barry. And this is his only film and TV role. So you could say it's a minor role. Rafe Mario as well, as a reporter. Yes, Rafe Mauro. He also appeared in TJ Hooker, Hill Street Blues, The Golden Girls, Charles in Charge, Full House, Saved by the Bell, Night Court, Melrose Place, Seinfeld, Family Matters, Desperate Housewives, Pushing Daisies, House, and what else? The Mentalist. Yes, and many more. And many more, yeah. And Murder, She Wrote. I'm not sure you said that one. I always like to say that one. We want Angela Lansbury to be in Cheers. One day. As Diane's aunt, I think she could be Diane's aunt. That's the trivia ball, James, and that means one thing. It means trivia. And I'm going to kick off today with a question. In this episode, we see Diane working on her, well, she calls it her major major, because she's done many majors in college and uh, master's degrees. But how many 
different subjects has she done majors in? I know the answer, but I'm going to do a bit of a Giles Brandreth because you reminded me of something and I'll go on another story, as is my want. But the major major is a character in Catch-22 and as this episode delves into psychology quite a bit, in Catch-22 there's a, well, Catch-22, about how in trying to get out of war, the only way they can do so is by being diagnosed as insane. But by trying to be insane and trying to claim they're insane, they know they're sane because they're like well they clearly in healthy enough sense of mind to know how to prove themselves insane so therefore they can't be insane and i thought that's interesting if irrelevant but yes the answer is 37 i'm also like a game show contestant when you know you could tell the producers i've been like we know you know what the answer is because you smiled when uh on who wants to be a millionaire where they go now all right now which president of the united states was involved in the watergate scandal was it a Carter, B, Kennedy, C, Nixon, or D, Bush. And the contestant goes, ooh, well, these are all presidents, and I've heard of all of them. And you're going, oh, you you know the answer. The producers just told you we need you to stall. I've seen it the other way, where they don't, they don't stall at all, just fly through the answers. And then there's like this really awkward kind of bit at the end where the presenter's just trying to buy time. Yes, b- before the next ad break. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I've got a question. Baseball trivia. And this may have changed since 1985. Let us know. What is the height of the left field wall at Fenway? And what does Carla call it? As I say, circa 1985. 37 feet high? Oh, yes. The same amount of uh, subjects that Diane studied. And what's its name? I think you'd find it quite incredible. Is that supposed to be a clue? Incredible? or Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. What, what, what is it? The green monster. So it wasn't a clue? Oh, Incredible Hulk. Ah, yeah. I didn't even get the clue. (laughs) In this episode, when the reporter comes over to talk to Cliff about his vegetable, he says that uh, the article is about lonely people desperate for attention. And he tells Cliff that he comes right behind another person who is eccentric in Boston. Who is more eccentric than Cliff? Uh, It's a crazy cat lady. She has 10 cats. Incorrect. It's an old lady. She's got 84 snakes, James. So all I got right was that it was a lady. Half a point. Uh, (laughs) Cliff is more insulted that he's behind this woman than that he's in an eccentrics list. And that's the reason why he sends the guy packing. It reminds me of that bit from Spinal Tap where they get annoyed because they're billed second behind a puppet show. (laughs) How does Diane, in her paper, describe herself? Smart, probably. That's one of them. Does she say she's attractive? Yeah, something along those lines. Very, yeah, she flatters herself quite a lot. Yes, the exact words she uses are rapturously beautiful, intelligent, indeed brilliant, with an ethereal quality. (laughs) Brilliant's quite a way to describe yourself, isn't it? (laughs) Speaking of reviews, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, feel free to give this podcast a review. Give it five stars, write some words. You don't have to write anything, just give it five stars. That feels like kind of peer pressure, James. They don't have to. But, you know, if you, if, you, if you like what you're listening to, then go on over and slide that star meter right up. That is last call at the bar, James. Everyone at home, they're sliding those uh, stars all the way up to, to six. Or, or should I say 11? You mentioned Spinal Tap earlier. How would you describe this episode? One, what are we going to order? I don't think we've mentioned any drinks in this episode so far. Two, what are we going to toast? I think what we can order is... Perhaps a squash with the map of Hawaii on it. <laughs> I like it. It's, it's you know. <laughs> a nice Hawaiian squash. 
I mean, could we get two? That's a, that's a, the issue. Ooh, that's one difficult and two could be a lot to eat. <laughs> Regardless, we're going to order them, James. Two squash with a, a map of Hawaii and uh, I think a toast to trivia. Yes, if you have some Cheers trivia you'd like to send in, then you know where to contact us. Facebook <laughs> or Instagram. Yeah, you know where we are. You're listening to this, so you must have found us some way. And uh, thank you for listening. It's been a pleasure to talk to you all today. I, d- I don't know what I'm doing, James. I've never done this before. Oh yeah, by the way, thanks. We've done many episodes now, 80 <laughs> I, I've forgotten the exact number. Not very professional of me. I don't have it in front of me. Doesn't matter. We've we've done eighty ish. I'm happy with that. And we just want to thank you for listening to them. Being good so far, and there's plenty more to come. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast.